your Bibles and turn to 1 Kings chapter 20 and verse 40. Tonight, our character of the Bible is not someone who is real. In one sense they are, in another sense they're not, because there's a portion of this chapter where a parable is told. And the parable is told about someone we will call the busy man. And it's something that I believe that we all can apply to our lives. Now, there is an actual Bible character that the parable of this busy man is about, and it's King Ahab. There's a time that King Ahab was king over Israel, and God gave them the victory over Syria. You had a king of of Syria at that time, uh, Ben-Hadad. And just like with Gideon, I mean, it was obvious. You had the weaker army, and in and of themselves, there was no way that they could win the victory. But God gave Gideon instructions. He reduced his army, but gave him instructions and gave them the victory. And Gideon gave glory to the Lord for it. He said, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon got this victory. Now, with King Ahab, it wasn't that way. He got the victory. The Lord gave them the victory. The weaker over the stronger. But he didn't give God the credit. He actually used this victory in the wrong way, and he became prideful over it. And he actually joined and and made allies with with Ben-Hadad, the king of Syria. And he he didn't obey the Lord. He didn't follow the Lord's instructions. And so this parable was told of, it says in verse 40, let's look at the verse we're going to use tonight. It says, and as thy servant was busy here and there, he was gone. And the king of Israel said unto him, So shall thy judgment be, thyself hast decided it. Now, that is King Ahab and his judgment. And the parable is told here about a prisoner. And the prisoner was to be kept. One thing given for this busy man to do, to keep this prisoner. And he didn't do it. The prisoner got away. And the reason given for this is that he was busy, it says, here and there. The failure on the part of Ahab, we'll we'll focus on the busy man tonight. We'll, We'll focus on this man from the parable, the busy man. And we're going to look at his failure tonight. And what he didn't do, and why this happened. First of all, we're going to look. The first point is what he didn't do. 
And then we're going to look at what he knew to do and what he was able to do and then what he did do. So tonight, let's consider the busy man here. What the busy man didn't do. He was to watch. This soldier, it's likened unto a servant or a, or a soldier in the army, and, and he was to watch the prisoner. The prisoner escaped, not because the prisoner overpowered this man. We would understand if that could possibly happen, but that wasn't it. The prisoner didn't surprise the man who was to keep and watch him. He wasn't clever and found some tricky way out of the situation. That wasn't it. But it was because the one that was appointed to watch was too busy. That's the reason given for the prisoner getting away. He was too busy. He didn't fail because of what he had done, okay? He failed because of what he didn't do. You know, there's the sin of commission that we all know. That's, that's the act of sin. That, that's what we do that we shouldn't do. And then there's the sin of omission. That's what we don't do that we should do. And one is just as wrong as the other. And we really need to tuck that in our pockets and we need to take that home and think about that because that's not the way a lot of Christians think. I'm not saying they think they're right by the Bible in that, but that's just not the way we, we, we're tempted to think so many times. Christians who don't do maybe these typical outward aggressive uh, acts of sin seem to think more highly of self even though there's those things that the Christian is not doing that they should be doing. You know, the change that takes place when someone has been born again in Jesus Christ, it's not just about the old things that we no longer do. When we get saved, it's about new things that come into our life. It's about new things that we do when we're a Christian. Being a Christian is not just about things we don't do. It's about things that we are to do as well. But this busy man, he failed because of what he didn't do. That's just as devastating as those things that, that we do in, in sinful acts. You know, think of the fig tree, Matthew 21, 18. You don't have to turn there if you don't want, but you know what happens here with this fig tree. The fig tree withered away, and it wasn't because... It was poisonous and it was making people sick or making people die. It's because it wasn't bearing fruit. Because of what the fig tree was not doing, it withered away. And then Matthew 25, you might consider the parable of the ten virgins. And you have 
those five who had oil in their lamps. And they were prepared. They did what they were supposed to do. The foolish five, it's not that they did something else. They didn't put, it's not like they put water in their lamps or something. It's what they didn't do. They didn't make sure they had oil in their lamps. And they weren't prepared. It was, they, they simply had no oil. It was about what they didn't do as a child of God. If we're not doing those things that we shouldn't do as a Christian, praise the Lord. That's great that, that there are a lot of sins that, that maybe we are not outwardly committing that we used to commit. That's the way it should be. And if that's the way it is, praise the Lord. But the end of our examination of our life does not stop there. Are we doing those things that we should? Is the sin of omission possibly taking place? The problem here, the failure here on the busy man is what he didn't do. We can talk also about what the busy man knew to do. This soldier was instructed, he knew what he was to do. He could not plead ignorance. He was given the, the proper guidance. He knew the importance of watching over the prisoner. Uh, he understood perfectly that this was a matter of life and death for him. It could have been a matter of life and death for an entire nation. And he couldn't say he didn't know. He knew what he was to do that he didn't do. And many today, you know, would say maybe that they don't witness. Or, that, or they, they wouldn't want to uh, be selected to teach a class. Or, or maybe, uh, you know, several other things. Or serve in other ways because they want to know more. They, they need to know more about the Bible. They need to, to learn more. They're not infor as informed as they should be. You know, let me say this though tonight. We need to do what we already know to do. Everything that a Christian ought to be doing that they know to do, that ought to be happening. You know, maybe there's some of us here tonight and we know a special calling on our lives that God has given us for us to serve Him. Maybe you're here tonight and you don't know your calling. You don't know that special thing God wants you to do. Very good news. There is something certain and personal from your Lord that He has for you to do. And by the way, a good way we come into that, knowing that calling, is to do everything that we already know to be doing that we should. So he had no excuse. He knew what he was to do. But let's consider this busy man and what he was able to do. He did not have the excuse that he didn't have the ability to accomplish this task. If he was overpowered by an entire army, hey, he would have good reason why the prisoner got away. 
He didn't have any battle wounds, though, from trying to keep this prisoner. If he did, and he risked his life, and he said he had the mentality, I'll die a thousand times before I let him go, and it was a fight and he got away, then we would call this man a hero. But instead, there's a failure on his part. We would sympathize if he had scars and if he had an army come against him. But it was just one prisoner and just him, this one that was to watch this prisoner, and the prisoner got away, though he was able to prevent it. He had ability. You know, I, I think about growing up as a kid and, and all the times I heard, you know, you can do whatever you set your mind to. If you believe it, you can do it. I, I'm glad someone didn't tell me that about being a singer. I'm so glad somebody didn't tell me, look, if you want to be, you can be anything you want to be. You want to be a singer, you believe it, you just, you can do it. You know, you, uh, when an athlete has a great victory, they, they, they say, well, I believed I could do it. I believed in myself and I wanted it. And that's how it happened. And then they say it can happen for you too. We're not much on the power of positive thinking around here. You know, um, if someone can't sing, if someone were to have come to me about my singing, I, I hope they would have just told me, hey, if you go to heaven, you're going to be able to sing there, but, but you can't carry a tune in the bucket. You, you ought to just go on down the road somewhere else and do something else. That, so, so this man has ability, but, but just in saying that, that's not to say that you and I can do anything that we set our minds to. But what we can do is everything the Lord wants us to do. Everything that the Lord commands us to do, what He calls us to do, what He takes us to, He'll give us the ability to get through it. What He calls us to do, He will give us the ability to be successful and to be able to do so. God is not unfair. He is not unreasonable. He does not ask His children to do anything that they can't do. We can do everything God wants us to do. He commands a lot of things from us. And, and He wouldn't command any of them if there weren't the ability to be able to do it given by Him. Everything the Lord gives others to do, He might not give us the ability to do. He doesn't give us all the ability to do all the same thing. That's why, that's why I, I love the church. I love how we're, we're an arm and a leg and a head and a, a foot and a hand because we're not, not all meant to do everything. We're not all meant to do the same thing. We're to come together with our differences and the different talents and ability that God has given us so that we all come together, everybody does something, and we can work together. So we're, so we're not to be looking at what someone else does and, and wanting to do that, but to do everything that He has personally prescribed to us to do. And when the Lord does that, we know we can do it. We know we can do whatever He calls us to. Every one of us are given enough grace from God for the individual task at hand.
You know something else about this busy man. This busy man was active. He failed. He didn't do what he was supposed to do, but he was active. He didn't do what he should have done, but it wasn't because he was lazy. He, he wasn't um, uh, sitting around in idleness slothfully. You know, laziness is it's a deadly sin, and, and it, it will destroy a life. It can wreck a life, and, and people are tempted to it. But this man, from what we see here, look, he wasn't lazy. He wasn't an idler. He was a worker. He was a busy guy that had to stay busy. And in one sense, that's good. But in another sense, we have a problem with this tonight. You know, he he didn't fail, though, because he dreaded the task. He didn't dread the task. He's willing to do whatever. So why did he fail? Why did he fail in what he was given to do? To keep this one prisoner. To keep watch of him, to keep him, and he gets away. Why did this failure happen? If he knew, if he had the ability, and he wasn't lazy. Well, we have the word here tonight. It says he was busy. He was busy. That was the word. He was busy here and there. The prisoner got away because he was busy. But he was not busy at the task at hand. He had an important instructed task given to him. And he didn't stay busy at that. He was one of those people who just had to try to do too many things. He tried to do a whole lot of things, and, and some things not good. And Ahab, he, he did things that, that weren't good in all of this. But as you think about the busy man, you know, it's, it's trying to do too many things. You know, a, a good word that, that we can learn sometimes is, is no. Because that's a good thing to do. When one's trying to do too many things, you know, it's good to say no to doing some things due to the importance of other things. There's some things we just simply need to be ready for, and we have to say no to other things. This guy was so busy with so many duties that he couldn't do his own duty. He couldn't take care of the business at hand. And his own duty here came from orders of the king. There was nothing more important than that at the moment. His duty involved saving a nation by, by keeping this one man prisoner. It was a matter of life and death for himself. But he allowed the secondary... To cause him to neglect the primary. Those things that he was doing here and there. That he was busy doing here and there. We, we have those things unnamed here tonight in God's word. But, but well, let's consider them. We can consider 
that whatever he was busy doing, they may have been completely harmless things in and of themselves. Maybe not one thing. I mean, Ahab was doing sinful things. But when you just consider the busy man in general, there may not be one sinful thing that's going on in, in what they're doing. You might even call them good things that are being done. You might even say that, that what they're doing is useful. But though they may be good, they robbed this man of the very best thing that he was to be doing. The most important thing. You know, to choose second best is just as bad as choosing sin because second best becomes sin when it gets in the way of what's best. Even if it's something, even if it's something that starts out sinless, when it keeps us from what's most important, it becomes sinful. You know, we'll, as children of God, we'll be convicted of doing good when it gets in the way of what's best. It happens. The Holy Spirit will convict our hearts when we rob ourselves of the privilege of doing something better when we're doing something good. We can become consumed not just by the amount of time we do something, but think about it. Whatever we do, we think about. We don't just do it. We think about what we do. And you might think about a hobby, something on the side we would do, and it's just sinless in and of itself. But it's so easy for things to consume our lives that are good, and they crowd out the privilege of having the best. We become absorbed by what we do on the lower level, when God has something for us on a higher level. And, and there's the stress and the strain of those trivial things that we get caught up in that are of no eternal value. You know, if our house were to catch on fire and we knew our kids were in the house, we wouldn't go grab the photo albums first. We wouldn't take the portraits off the wall. You know, now, now that would be a good thing to do. That's something you can't replace. To get those photo albums and get those portraits if your house is on fire. But what a shame that would be to lose what's more important for that. And we translate that and we relate that to our lives. And look, there, there's, the, there's the deception, there's the fog we get into that can happen that gets us in such a place where our priorities can get so much out of order with what is most important. Let us be careful concerning our interest in the good that we don't become blind to the best. You know, we, we may all have business to do with God tonight on this. I, I believe we always do have this business to take care of with God on this subject. You know, we slip into busyness here and there. 
You know, there, there's work, there's, there's family time, there's, there's some entertainment that we can have. There's a thousand and one things that are fine for us to do in and of themselves. And, and look, we can all probably speak from experience as we would go through a list of those things that can just crowd out the prayer life. The Christian life is an experiential life. It's the experience of the peace of God. And that starts slipping away. We, don't, we, we never lose our peace with God, but that daily peace of God, it starts slipping away some. The experience of His grace, we cannot fall from grace, but we can, we can be without the experience of it in our relationship. Or His mercy. Sunday school attendance. Losing, even losing interest in reading a devotion. Simply because we're consumed with something else. It's on our mind. It's in our actions. It's causing us to move. And we're doing things that are, that, that again, they're good. But, but they're in the opposite direction of the best. How about the passing up that opportunity to tell someone about Jesus? I mean, when, when the conversation that comes up with someone is about religion or it's about life and death and, and the opportunity just lays at our feet. It's like the, the red carpet was rolled out for an opportunity to share the saving grace of Jesus Christ to those who are lost and we don't do it. Because we're not thinking about it. Because our minds and our lives are occupied, are occupied with something good. But not on the best. You know where, where we might drive down the road tonight. Thinking about the Lord. Or talking to the Lord. We might be doing that now, but our minds can always drift off into busyness here and there and be distracted from the best thing that God wants to do. That's what the busy man did. He became distracted by something second best. In Ahab's case, it was something real bad. But, but just the busy Christian, it could be just second best and it was enough to distract him. But there's a remedy. There's a remedy for this. And it's one person. And the Bible gives many names for him. And one is chief cornerstone. We have a rock to stand on in Jesus Christ. And we drift off from this. Matthew 6.33 But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. You know, God has a way of prioritizing our lives for us that we can never do. He makes things fall in place in amazing ways. He, he can get 
36 hours worth of stuff done in 24 hours in our lives. And it doesn't make any sense to us at all how He gets it done. But when we seek Him first, and He's the first priority, man, it, it's, it's good to watch Him work. And it's good to watch Him lay things out the way we need them. You know, it feels good when we reduce something from our lives. When something just goes to a lower level, less attention from us, it's still, it's still there. We still partake in whatever it is. It's okay, it's not sinful, but it feels good when we have sought Him and He takes that to a little bit more of a distant area in our lives and it doesn't consume what ought to be first. Or even, or even we drop something completely sometimes from our lives and, you know, and we don't miss it. We don't miss it once it's gone. You know, I, I had to drop the thought of something from my life. Before I was saved, I, I kind of wanted a, I wanted a weekend place. My, my family had a weekend place growing up. It was more of a fire hazard, and we hardly ever had electricity. But it was special to me as a kid. And my wife had one too. And we get married, and, and a kid comes along. And we want a weekend place. We're driving, we're driving up to two hours out of Houston uh, all over the place, uh, anywhere between an hour and two, and we're looking for that weekend place. And then all of a sudden the Lord saves me. And <laughs> you, you kiss a weekend place goodbye when, when the Lord saves you. And you know what? Uh, it, it's, it's something I really, really wanted. But I don't miss not having that at all. And I'm glad I didn't get tied up in it. And the Lord went ahead and saved me before I got tied up in something like that. If he, if he hadn't have and I got it, I'd have a decision to make. That something be reduced and dropped from my life. And, and when that happens and the Lord's working and He's prioritizing that, that time becomes filled with the Lord's business in our lives. And it's just so right. And, and it's, it's so good for our lives. And, and so in finishing up here though, I go back and I think about the first point we made about this man. What the busy man didn't do. His omission. Well, not, not, not something he did. Not a, not a wrong act. But the wrong of what he didn't do. And I just think maybe of someone listening online or, or maybe even someone here tonight who could miss heaven because of what they didn't do. You know, we, we know we're sinners. We know we've sinned against God. We know what we have done. But what about missing heaven because of what we don't do? As in not trusting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. By faith that only you and the Lord know about when He's saving you. You ever think about that? The preacher doesn't know anything about it. Mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, deacon, whoever, some kind of leader in the church knows nothing about the faith that God's given you that you might take it and make a decision to trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. That's just between that one person and the Lord. 
and nobody else knows that, that a heart is being flooded with an opportunity of faith except for yours. But what about the one that would miss heaven, that would spend eternity in hell because of what they didn't do? The sin of rejecting Jesus it's not, going to be, it's not going to be forgiven after this life. That sin will never be forgiven in any way. So while, there's, while, while you're here and while there's hope, don't, don't be guilty of, of what you should have done that you didn't do. Place your trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And let us... Consider this. Again, going back to that first point. And oh, what the condition of the heart is in God's people whenever we see and we understand that what we do commit that's wrong is just as bad as what we're not doing that's right that we should be doing. You know... To look at someone else who's doing something that would be offensive to the Lord and, and by His grace, we're not committing that. If we're focused on that, I don't know how we'll ever get to those things we're not doing that we should be doing. Sin, sin of omission. Something I've, I've heard a little bit about in the, in the morning messages lately. And it's on my mind with this busy man tonight. So let's take what this busy man has not done and let's learn from him. Let's learn from him and, uh, and have God teach us something through it. And 